Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. I'm excited to have Pierre Tose, who's the founder of CLAP, uh, which is fighting Zoom fatigue with asynchronous communication. He had earlier worked with L'Oreal and 360 Learning as a VP Marketing. Pierre has done his MSc from International Business from HSC Paris. Uh, big thank you to Antho Chong for the introduction. Welcome to the show, Pierre. Thanks. Good awesome, sir. Yeah, no, uh, it's awesome Awesome to have you uh, on the show. Uh, Pierre, uh, you know, uh, before we, we talk about CLAP, you know, I want to understand how did you get your, your start in, in startups and uh, how's, how's, the, how's the France startup ecosystem? Uh, you, you know, it's it's pretty funny because at first, when I when I um, started my career, yeah. uh, I wasn't working at all in the tech world. Uh, actually, like I, I, I'm more like a, I like to describe myself as a B 2 C marketing guy uh, that discovered the SaaS world like later on. Uh, because I basically at first I started my career at L'Oréal. Uh, my job, my first job was to create you know like the kind of products you see in store in like two years, three years, etc. I was doing basically like anti-aging products uh, and I've done that for like almost uh, four years. And I think like uh, if you work at L'Oréal, it's an amazing school if you want to learn like brand marketing, product marketing, manage global launches at scale. But you know, at some point in the in the beauty industry, I was a bit frustrated because you don't have like that many innovations. Like for example, if you take like the anti-aging market, uh, the most like uh, sold product on the market uh, it's a product that has maybe like 20, 30 years. So I was a bit frustrated about that. And at some point I was like, okay, I'm not like uh, creating life-changing products. So I need to do like something else. Right. Uh, and that's the moment I really like, uh, I was interested at first with like tech companies because it's innovative companies. And 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 so I said, okay, I, maybe I need to make the switch and switch from L'Oreal to like a, a tech company. And, but it was actually like a, when I joined Swiss 60 Learning, it was pretty funny because I discovered this company on Facebook uh, at that time. Uh, basically, like they were running like ads uh, to hire people, uh, and I discovered like uh, this ad about Swiss 60 Learning. I click on it uh, and I apply with like you know like leaving my LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn link on it. Um, the day after, like they called me, um, I had like an amazing fit actually like with the CEO at that time. Uh, I run with like a couple of interviews and it's really funny because at the end of the process, he, he told me, okay, uh, uh, I, I have like a different like positions for you. Uh, and one of them was actually like gross hacker. Uh, and at that time I didn't know anything about what a gross hacker was. I was right. like, okay, that sounds interesting, but uh, let me check uh, what it is. And after a few days I told him, okay, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and that's really like the moment I joined like the the the, the SaaS world uh, first as a growth hacker. Uh, we were like I think around maybe twenty five people in the company, and uh, and since then basically I had the opportunity to grow like uh, uh, in this company like from growth manager to Indian like VP of marketing uh, in charge of like brand uh, demand generation and also like. Uh, uh, business development, the 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 BDR team. So, super interesting, and you know what made you leave three hundred and sixty learning and start Clap? Yes, I, I, so I think like I'm I'm definitely like a builder. 
like I really love like building like new stuff. That's the first reason why I, I started at L'Oréal because it was a way to to learn how to like build like and invent like new products. I left because uh, I wasn't feel like feeling fulfilled uh, with this. Uh, at 360 Learning, I really enjoy like building like teams, like creating like new playbooks, etc. But I knew I also knew that at some point I wanted to like build like my own company. Uh, and actually, like um, so, it was a bit than a year ago. Um, uh, I was feeling that okay, it was the right moment to start my own company. Um, I was speaking with like Robin, my co-founder now. Uh, Robin is actually like one of my best friends. Like uh, we've known each other for like 15 years. Uh, he had experience like the same, like uh, scare, like uh, any side from like 50 people to 500 people at Augury uh, as a VP product. Uh, I did like the 20 to more than 200. Uh, and we felt like, okay, this is the right moment. Uh, yeah, it's, it's time it's time we start our own company. And I think like in the end also like the, it's pretty funny because like the, the idea we have with like asynchronous meeting, it's a, uh, it really fits with like all the experiences I had in the past because I like to say that I have a pretty long history with, with meetings. Uh, you know, like L'Oréal, it's a super like meeting centric company. Like uh, meetings have like official names, like uh, it's 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 kind of a religion in the end. And, uh, and the company I joined, Swiss 60 Learning, when I joined, we had like a no meeting policy. Like uh, where like we like uh, the culture was super decentralized, distributed. And we had like this no meeting policy. So for actually like for almost five years, have we like experienced what it means to build a culture around asynchronous communication? Like the no meeting part, it didn't scale, but I, I really, it was a, a good opportunity to learn about the limitations in terms of use cases, but also in, in terms of like the type of companies uh, you are able to build like with asynchronous written communication. And I think that we are like at this point in the, in the history of work where like asynchronous communication, it's not like uh, tailored for just like uh, niche companies uh, and culture of people that don't really like to talk. It's a moment where actually like distributed companies are going to be like mainstream and they need to master like asynchronous communication. So it creates a need to have like a new way to do that, a much more like engaging and interactive way of doing that. And, and that's really like basically like the, the, the stuff we want to create with like the, this idea of asynchronous meeting. So in the end, I wasn't planning to start like a company around asynchronous meeting like five years ago. Yeah. But now I can see like looking backwards, like how it relates with like all my previous like experiences and, and the reason why I, I really want to build like this, uh, this new, uh, this new uh, category. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a that's a super interesting story. And uh, you know, I've used tools like Loom and Vidyard. You know, how how is Clap different from from these products? Yeah, I, I would say to sum up, uh, Clap is it's a, it's a Loom but designed for like feedback and decision making. Uh, I think like if you take Loom uh, and they have like really like creating a new usage, it's really like this idea of like providing like high level context on top of like every document. Uh, to make it like basically like clearer to understand, but really like if you take like, but in the end the reason why we are like scheduling meetings, it's not just about sharing updates, but it's also about like get, receiving feedback, collecting feedback, 
and making decisions. And that's really like the stuff that we want to address with Clap. And, and you have like really like the, those different steps in the product, which is like first, like you share a video, a bit like Loom, like you explain like any, the high level context about a document. But then you want to be able to collect what we call in-context feedback. So basically, like any user is able to annotate the video, leave a comment to a specific minute, but also a specific zone of the video. Then we can have like conversations related to this feedback. You can turn this feedback then into like next steps and decisions, but without the need to be in the same room at the same time. And we like the, the idea we, is really to own feedback and decisions So on the long run, we really become a system of record for decisions in the company because, you know, like one thing that we are like missing today it's in distributed companies, it's context. Right. When we are in the same office, it's pretty easy to know like what's happening because you are able to like grasp conversations, etc. So you have like a sense of like what's happening. But we are, when we are like distributed, we yeah. have like this void of context. So we are trying to compensate by actually like scheduling meetings And, but if you think about context, and so we, we, we speak a lot about context and transparency, but people, when they think about transparency, one mistake we make is to think that it's just about like knowledge sharing. It's about like creating a lot of like documentation on like, I don't know, like a, a Notion, Coda, et cetera. But if you think about like those kind of documentation, you are going to spend maybe one month, two months, like updating like the, those docs. But then after one month, it's completely like outdated. So people like don't trust like this kind of knowledge. But actually like the one thing that is actually like informing the whole company and that is like never outdated, it's like decisions. Like the, for example, like the decisions we made like three months ago is going to remain true in the context of like three months ago. And if you want to build back context and transparency, basically like you need to build like this system of record for for decisions in the, in the company. That's a way to give the pulse of the company in the end. And, and, and do you think products like uh, CAP are more efficient for, for technical teams or even for you know, marketing teams? And uh, is, is the whole purpose trying to minimize meetings? Uh, sorry, what, what's, um, what, what was your point? Um, uh, so do you think you know, products like CAP and, and Loom are more... more uh, Uh, efficient for our tech teams and the product teams, or is it useful for even operations and marketing and you know op streams? Yeah, it's, so it's a so it's it's a good question. So what we've observed so far uh, is that like the the play like it's way a horizontal product, meaning that anyone in the organization can actually like use it from like product teams to actually like operations, sales, and customer success. But in terms of like early adopter, and it's really like the go-to-market we focus on right now, uh, is that like the best teams to start with are actually like product and tech teams. And I would say like for maybe two, two reasons. The first one is like in terms of like pain points, if you speak to like product managers, they have like a huge pain, which is like they both need to align with like many different like stakeholders and teams like customer success, sales, marketing, etc. It's a nightmare. They're like spending like hours in meetings for like internal alignment, but also like to get feedback about like the, the roadmap and like the upcoming features, etc. And at the same time, they need to improve like product velocity. And, and so we basically like, we find that we have like quick adoption 
among product teams for that. And the, and the second stuff that we see is that actually like the people they interact with are actually like more willing to switch to like asynchronous communication. For example, like if you are like in the, in the product team, uh, you are going to be supported by uh, software engineers to switch to asynchronous communication. But for example, like uh, in the marketing teams we work with, uh, it's going to be harder for them uh, to make salespeople switch to asynchronous communication because they are like, um, I would say like more attached to like the meeting habits. So it's, you know, it's about the, the and then it's about the innovation uh, uh, adoption curve and the early adopters are definitely like product, product and tech teams. And then we have like internal virality uh, from product to marketing, marketing to customer success, etc. And in the end, when the whole organization is using Clap, then it's uh, it's easier to make the, the the switch entirely. Got it. And uh, you know, as a, as an ex VP marketing, you know, what, what is the ideal relationship between uh, VP marketing and and CEO? Um, you know, how how often should they meet? Uh, do you think a cadence of once a week or a once a month should suffice? Uh, so, in terms of cadence, I would say it's like a once a week. Uh, and uh, and and also like continuous feedback, like asynchronous communication, and 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 give it feedback. It's it's quite important. And in terms of relationship, I would say as a VP marketing, you 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 want to work for a CEO uh, that gets marketing. And actually, like the CEO is almost like the first marketer in the company yeah. because he's really like the one owning the the narrative and the strategic narrative around the company. And, and, and I think that's why it's super important to have like super strong alignment between like the, the CEO and the, and the VP of marketing. And I think in then it refers to like the, even the role of a VP of marketing is like, for sure, you have like some KPIs like a, a pipe creation. You need to make sure that the pipe you, you create align with like the, the needs of the, of the sales team. But you also have like something around more like the, the quality of the pipe to make sure that in the end it aligns with like the, the revenue objectives. And I think that's, that's why like product marketing is so important because it's a way to make sure that the, the demand you create as a marketer, uh, it's a demand that, uh, that is going to create like healthy uh, revenue in the end. So meaning like as a salespeople, it's a demand that you are like more likely to close because you are not creating demand that a competitor is going to like win over you. And it's also like revenue because it's like the right fit. Uh, it's like revenue that you are like able to expand in the end. And so you have like this, uh, as I would say like double function of like marketing, which is uh, yeah, creating pipe, but also like making sure that in the end you, 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 you build like a, a different and unique like positioning for uh, for your product and your company. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Interesting, and, and I totally agree that the CEO is like the first marketer, uh, and he's like the first 
sales guy <laughs> and, and, and the product guy, but, uh, but I like the cadence of, of once a week. And, you know, how, how, do, uh, how do best marketing teams approach post-mortems mortems once they have executed a marketing plan? Uh, I, I would say you have like different stuff in marketing because you have like, I would say like ongoing campaigns that are like uh, uh, evergreen campaigns. And it's something that we want, you want to check like every week and, and optimize on the, on the continuous basis. Um, and then you have like more, I would say like a, um, new campaigns that you want to launch, like for example, new product launches, uh, new brand campaigns, like this kind of stuff. Uh, and I would say like the post-mortem, it's really like, it's, it's, it's always like when you start something, you start with like the goals and the KPIs you want to monitor. And, and in the end, it's about like checking those KPIs and those goals and how you achieve that. Um, but maybe one thing that is in, in, interesting and that I realized, you, you know, it, it's um, because it's something you do a lot in, in B2C. Uh, it's like in B2C, you do a lot of qualitative tests because right. it, it's actually like pretty hard to track everything. But when I joined the SaaS world, I was like pretty amazed because I was like, yeah, you can track everything. But I think that in the end, it's a mistake because it's like, it's more than you track a lot of things, but you don't track everything. So you don't need, and, and if you forget about actually like doing like qualitative like tests, speaking with like your users, Uh, showing them like uh, creatives, like campaigns, etc. Then you really miss a lot of like data points to explain your performance. And and for me, that's really like something that is pretty important to do, uh, even before launching a campaign, but also as a as a post mortem. And, and you know what 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 do CEOs expect from their marketing heads? What what, what do you expect from the marketing head? Correct. You know, you talk about key metrics, but but what what is in, in specific that you know you you work with companies like 360 Learning and and uh, and Laurel and, and you know you know what is it that a CEO would expect a marketing head to to achieve? Is it mostly brand camp uh, awareness, or is it more about uh, you know? I think in the end, it's really about uh, it's about revenue. Like if you want to. If you want to have like a, be important in the company, you need to to tie your your objective with like the ones of the business. And I think like the stuff that we did at Swiss, like 360 Learning, it's a company we scale like a lot uh, with inbound. So actually, like the pipe creation was coming from the marketing, and and in the end, what like the main stuff like people expect from you in the organization is that you are able to generate enough pipe. Uh, for the sales team uh, to eat like new business goals, um, and uh, and 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 like I was feeling bad to um, if I didn't like meet those those objectives, and and I think that's really like the the main thing that people really expect from you in the organization, and I would say like even the brand part uh, in the end uh, is going to like have a positive impact. On the on the on the pipe creation. All right, and uh, you know, Pierre, you you work for uh, for larger companies like L'Oreal, and now you're working in a startup. Uh, does your management style, especially for managing the revenue teams, uh, has it changed over over time? Uh, yes, I, 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 yeah, pr pretty much because you know when you when you start like uh, 
So at, at 360 Learning, for example, at first we are maybe three people in the, in the marketing team. So it's more like, a, I would say like your scopes are pretty broad. Uh, then like uh, you realize that uh, you need to scale the teams. Uh, so you, you need to split like some scopes, but still like you have like a, um, people, the people you hire and that you coach, uh, they still have like a pretty like a broad scopes. Uh, but the more you grow, basically, like you are going to add maybe one level of like management uh, in between. So, for example, I had like two, uh, three uh, directors around me, like one for like brand content, one for like demand generation, and one for like the the business development team. Uh, and 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 the more you scale, you, the more you need to be like, I think, super like uh, precise in defining like uh, scopes. And, and, and performance for like uh, each uh, team, but also like each individual contributors. And, and I think that's really like the, 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 the way to, uh, to, uh, to scale the company. Correct. And, uh, you know, let's, let's look at CLAP uh, and, you know, how are you making those meetings uh, or synchronous? Uh, I, I, I think like um, the, the idea of making meetings asynchronous it's more the idea of actually like removing the need to actually like schedule meetings in the first place because you have like something in between like asynchronous written communication and meetings that help you basically like provide feedback and, uh, and, and make decisions. And I think in the end, it's more, uh, I would say like all the stuff that in the end, like that are going to create a meeting if you have like this biased toward asynchronous communication, you're going to ask yourself, okay, does it have to be a meeting? And then you're going to say, okay, uh, maybe I can do it like on Notion. So it's asynchronous communication and it's fine. Or maybe I need something more and then I can like use Clap. And, and that I think that's really like the, the mindset we have like internally. That's a bit, for example, the mindset I had like in my previous company. We didn't have Clap, but basically like, all the decisions that were like made on Trello. Um, so, so you had like, basically you had like two, you have two stuff that you need to create uh, if you want to have like a, a no meeting culture. I think the, the first one is that first you need to build a system that provides a lot of transparency on like feedback decisions, but also like on what people are actually like working on. So for example, you know what we have at Clap and what we had at at 360 Learning is like this system of like OKR, but also like public roadmap for like every uh, stakeholder in the company. So for example, like uh, if I'm going to check uh, what, uh, I don't know, like the sales team is doing or what like the product marketing team is doing, uh, I have access to their roadmap. Uh, I know what they are working on. I can go and comment and ask questions. Uh, I can like make requests, etc. So in the end, like, uh, since you have the information, it's going to like remove the need to actually like schedule meetings to ask like for something, you know, like where to ask, where to get the information, etc. So that's really like one part of the system. And the second part is more about saying, okay, when you need something, you want to have like this bias towards asynchronous communication. Uh, it's like, first, can you actually like do it as a, can, can it be like a written communication? And even in the way you write a message, uh, you have to be like quite structured 
uh, when used like asynchronous communication, like providing context, um, explaining like uh, your objective, etc. You know, like all this kind of stuff. And it's a bit the same. And, and when you're stuck, then the, that's the moment then you can switch like to clap. And, and so it's a bit the same. I would say like it's a, you start a sync and then in the end, if you are like completely stuck, maybe you are going to end up in a meeting because it's about, I don't know, like discussing something a bit private. It's about like a super like complex problem solving. But if you have this mindset around asynchronous communication, then you are going to like the default option will be, uh, will be a sync. All right. And, and, and who do you think is the, is the right audience or clap? Are you focusing on startups, SMBs, or large organizations? Yeah. So, so right now we focus uh, mostly on the hyper growth uh, tech startup. I would say like, uh, basically we have like two types of companies that, that, uh, where clap actually like works very well. The first one is, and, and the play is more like a product, like pure, uh, pure freemium. It's like, um, um, small startup, like fully distributed because when you are not in the same office, it's, it's hard to align. And the second go to market, uh, it's like a hyper growth tech startup. I would say like, uh, above like 50, 60 people. And, uh, and with uh, this, you know, like hyper growth phase, because that's really like the moment when you have like a lot of cross team communication issues, because you, you know, when you onboard like new people every week, right. um, you have a lot of noise and also, for example, as a PM, as a marketer, you need to align a, a, a growing like number of stakeholders. And that's really like, that's becoming a nightmare. And, and, and that's really like the, the moment that we see where, where clap actually like brings a lot of value. Got it. And, and, uh, you know, how does clap monetize the product? What's the, what's the pricing structure? So the pricing structure, it's, a, it's really a freemium model. Uh, so we have like um, um, three plans. Uh, the first one is like, a, so it's a, a, a free, uh, um, the first one is a, it's a free plan. Uh, it's unlimited members and guests, but it's limited on the storage. Uh, the second one is like a $10 uh, per month uh, per member of the workspace. And, the, and, the, and it's a, um, um, and the, and the, sorry, and the last one, it's enterprise plan. Uh, and basically we give access to like some specific features, like, uh, um, limitation on recordings, this kind of stuff. Um, and, and this one is like uh, more, uh, more custom. Cool. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, uh, want to talk about, uh, you know, the security features, uh, for, for clap to prevent hackers. I think, uh, zoom had this. A uh, big story in, in the last couple of years where, you know, uh, I, I think there were few security uh, things which were hacks. I wanted to understand, uh, are there any security features that Clap is using to prevent hackers? Yeah, it's it's definitely something like we paid a, a, a lot of attention to, like, especially like because of like Robin and, and Tom or CTO actually like come, come from like this, uh, this uh, background. Uh, of actually like data privacy, et cetera. So like from the beginning, like we, we paid a lot of attention to and, and to be, uh, so in, in, so I'm not a technical guy. So I might say like a lot of like, uh, stuff that are like maybe not very precise, but basically like, uh, we have stuff like, uh, signed, uh, signed URL, uh, protected like API, uh, 
uh, we pay like extra attention to like the 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 way we did like permissions, uh, this kind of stuff. And also like from the beginning, we try to be like a GDPR compliant. Uh, so uh, basically like, yeah, we, we paid a lot of attention to like to all this kind of, of privacy aspect because that we know that in the end, when we want to address decisions, uh, you need to have like something which is like very secure and we need to do it like from the beginning. Got it. And, uh, and what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, unbundling of the, of the Zoom uh, product? Do you think there could be unbundling of a lot of other features from Zoom? I, 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 I think so, because like, I guess like uh, if, I, if I were there, if I were them, I would try to do a bit like what Microsoft Teams did, because like, uh, uh, and, and for example, one thing I didn't understand was like the reason why they didn't buy Slack, for example, because it could have actually like make sense to them to have like something a bit like a, a broader, because I think like one problem like Zoom might be facing is that actually it's pretty easy to switch from Zoom to uh, like another solution, uh, like Teams, etc., because you don't store like any, uh, I would say like uh, data uh, in uh, in Zoom, so I think like maybe one way uh, they're going to do that is like like this idea of like platform. Now you have like more and more actually like products being plugged on Zoom, and if you use like more and more like products with Zoom, it's good like for their stickiness. You know, for example, like if you use Gong uh, and you have like the Gong application in Zoom, then it's a good reason to like keep using Zoom, etc. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know everything on their side, but, uh, but I think like they need to build as many applications as they can, because otherwise it's, uh, it's going to be pretty easy to like switch to another solution. To have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of beautiful lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think Zoom was a product uh, of the year in 2020. Not many people knew about it, but after the COVID, you know, everybody knew. But I really liked how uh, you talked about you know Slack would have been bought by you know uh, by Zoom. That's a that's a uh, great insight. And um, you know uh, you you started off your career as as a, as a growth hacker, especially in a tech company. But uh, what is the right time to hire for a growth growth team? Uh, what kind of profile? Uh, so um, so B B B two C or B two B you know ventured uh, ventured a company hire a growth team. Uh, I would say like the you hire a growth team when you want to accelerate on your okay. uh, on your go to market, and I think like you have like this first phase where you really want to like I would say like uh, understand like your uh, persona, uh, your go to market, and and have a, a good idea of like your product market fit, because otherwise if you basically like accelerate when and you don't have, for example, like a, a good product retention, this kind of stuff. Then you are going to have like a, a focus that is like not the not the right one. So, so I would say like um, 
I, I, I guess it depends on the also it's a good I guess it depends on the gross team like if it's typically like a gross marketing team and uh, and it's about more like acquisition uh, I would say like a first like find a product market fit but if it's more like um, uh, improving like product metrics like I don't know like a product adoption uh, retention etc I would say like your your gross team in the end is the is the product team. For example, like uh, today at Clap, uh, like we track like product metrics like uh, all the time, and we do like a, a weekly review, and we have like some kind of north star metrics. But in the end, like the gross manager is is the product is the product manager. It's like the 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 same role. Super interesting, and you know what? What uh, framework do you use to you know the, make uh, effective decision making, uh, especially in, you know in, in the tight uh, timelines that you have to you have to work in? Yeah, so I think in terms of like decision making, I really like the typical like asynchronous communication workflow, uh, and I think it's really about you know first you have like this step which is about you share like context, and when you share context, it's like you have the context, the problem, or the, the goals, and then maybe like your proposed solution because it's really about uh, first you have you want to have like someone which is with like very clear and intentional about what he wants to do and why it's important to make a decision. Then you have a second step which is about you know collecting feedback from like stakeholders, uh, and it can be about I don't know three different like. Uh, feedbackers, etc. Then it's about like turning feedback into decisions. Uh, and, and I think like one framework I like is that, you know, when, when you have defined a, a scopes very clearly in your company, uh, you have what, what you call a DRI, a direct resp responsible individual that are actually like the one in charge of making the decision. And uh, so it means that uh, this one can make a decisions Without having everyone to agree on the decision, because it's it's a way to make sure that uh, that you have like a velocity uh, and uh, and 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 strong decisions are made. And then the last part is really about like sharing the decision to everyone to create transparency. And and actually that's that's a bit like the the way we approach like the the asynchronous meeting uh, and the way we basically like design the product. But it's a, it's a typical. Uh, Asynchronous communication uh, workflow. Correct, and um, you know you you've been a founder for a, for a year now, and uh, you know what what is your advice? And you quickly have gone to 20, uh, 25 uh, employees. What is your advice for startups who are looking to to hire uh, uh, hire teams in 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 the specific uh, sectors? Do you do you think uh, remote hiring and remote working uh, is going to be there, uh, where you know people from different cities and and uh, the countries can also work to, uh, work for a particular startup. I would say yes, it's going to stay because uh, we actually like found it like way easier to hire people remotely, and I think maybe it's because part of the mission is to actually like help people like work from anywhere. Actually, it's a good way to to attract uh, you know like uh, uh, top uh, top engineers, uh, and 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 I think like uh, for me it's also going to stay because. Like uh, the the main competitor, you know, like uh, when you, I would say like my my main like um, 
like the stuff that always mean like the most is really like the talent competition. Because if you think about the business, I think like the world is like so big that if every product can actually like find a, a market uh, where to actually like make money. But like, but the talent pool is like super limited. So for example, in France today, we had like a, Uh, two companies that announced like a, uh, two uh, major like fundraising, and when you have a look at the I don't know, like the TechCrunch article, uh, they're like okay, so we are going to hire three thousand software engineers, uh, or the other one is going to be okay, two thousand software engineers, and you're like okay, uh, I'm in the end I'm trying to hire like the same type of people, so that's really like the the only competition that matters. And uh, and and I think like uh, remote work is also a way to, you know, open the talent pool, and say I'm not going to be like uh, limited to a specific like geography, but it's really a way to yeah broaden like the uh, where you can actually like uh, uh, hire hire people. So it's right. a competitive advantage in the end. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I totally agree on that. And you know, uh, Pierre, I quickly want to the top three. What's your favorite business book? Uh, it's Play Bigger. Play bigger, okay, awesome. Uh, and you know, if you could go back in time when when you started Clap, what is one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? I know it's just been a year for you, but is there anything you would would you would have done differently? It's a good question. Uh, I, I I I would say um, at at it's uh, I would say like uh, lately I realized. Um, You know what? One mistake. It's it's really about like focus and uh, and decision making in the in the company. Uh, but for example, you know, in my previous company, we had like everything in Trello, and we didn't have Slack. Uh, and uh, and you know, and we we actually like started at uh, at Clap using Slack a lot, and uh, with Notion. Uh, but you know, like Slack has this way of actually like. Swallow, swallowing you in the in the product, so you can actually like spend a lot of time on Slack uh, without actually like doing some work, and uh, and and took me like some months to realize that uh, I wasn't being like fully productive doing that. And one stuff I really changed was actually like to move a lot of stuff like to Notion and Clap, uh, and especially like you know like this system of roadmap I was like I was uh, telling you about. Uh, really like planifying like all the questions, making sure that everything people are working on are related to like OKR, etc., and being like super super intentional and killing like stuff that are like not a priority. I think that the that's the stuff I would have done a bit uh, a bit sooner on on some areas. We we were fast, but I think we could have been even faster. Yeah, no, that that's that's that issue. That's how it should be. And have you any favorite online tool, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom, anything other than Clap? Um, I think Notion. I really, I really enjoy. Uh, I really love Notion. Correct. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, what, what is the best way people people can reach out to you and know more about Clap? Sorry, sorry, I wasn't listening. Uh, sorry, uh, what uh, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Clap? Uh, actually, like they can write to me on LinkedIn or they can go to uh, Clap dot io, uh, c l a a p dot io, and uh, and actually like uh, join uh, join the 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 movement. Sure. Uh, 
Uh, we, we'll put that in our show notes. Uh, Pierre, thank you so much for taking our time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.